Podcast One. Crazy time that we live in, Dylan. It is. A lot going on. A lot and going on. We have people from all over the world that listens to Listen Able. So we want to send our love. Obviously, there's second waves and lockdowns and, and all kinds of things going on. So we really appreciate you taking the time to download and have a bit of a listen and hopefully it brightens up your day a little bit. Yeah, and we, um, we are back in the studio together. Uh, our radio network has accommodated the distancing so that we can be social distanced while record our show. Last week's episode on our phones slash microphones at our home. Uh, we are able to do this week in a studio. And can I just give a little bit of a preview to some upcoming guests? We've got some crackers. Yeah, we do. Um, this week's guest is obviously a superstar. You're about to hear her story. But next week's guest, her name is Natalie Wade. I still think about the chat that we did with her a couple of weeks ago. You're going to hear a teaser at the end of this episode uh, about how long it takes for her to get ready in the day. Just, I always think about the size of hallways now because mm. of her disability the size her bathroom needed to be to accommodate her disability, the level of care that she needs, but how articulate, intelligent, and the good that she's doing for the community. Like we said, you'll get a teaser at the end of this episode, but please stick around for the next week's episode, Natalie Wade. Yeah, and we have a cracker this week. We'll tell you who it is in a minute, but I just want to do, I'm all about, you know, PSAs, public service announcements. Please? You know, I always look after the community. Sure. Just to any amputees that listen to ListenAble, mm-hmm. all right, because I want to read you this. I want to give a special shout out to Chris Marquez, who is a dude over from, he's in Vermont over in America, Mm -hmm. double leg amputee um, from below the knee. And he was so pumped to go skydiving that he jumped out of the plane and he forgot to take his legs off. How do you forget to take your legs off? So he says, I I think my adrenaline was so high. I was so excited. I realized I didn't take my prosthetics off. He jumped out of the plane. No, 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 no. And his legs were found (laughs) by a farmer 10 Ks away. From where he landed, <laughs> Farmer Joe went out to his field and goes, are they two fake legs? <laughs> so they were in the same paddock. So oh, they fell off at the same time. Other. Oh, wow. Farmer Joe gave them back and they weren't damaged. For the prosthetic company, they could now do one of those yeah. ads, those infomercials on like the morning shows where he goes, these legs can yeah. survive 14,000 feet. Best thing is his shoe's still on. Oh, that's good. That? It's topical we're talking about amputees because... Today's episode is, as you mentioned, an absolute superstar. She's also one of my really good friends. Um, not only did she have a tough battle with her coming to terms with her disability, she then went on to strive to become an incredible sports person, but an even better mum. And I can't wait for you to meet her. Well, she's also got to deal and overcome with the fact that she's not the most famous person from Geelong in the room. Uh, well, because you're here. Yeah, that's, Mate, that's right. If she's a 9 out of 10, you're a 2 in terms of fame in Geelong. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's meet Geelong's definitely most famous person in the room. I'm Kelly Cartwright, mum of two, and um, was competing in athletics and para powerlifting. Okay, and what is your disability? Um, I'm an above knee amputee. All right, now that's a humble introduction. Uh, <laughs> did you come last? How did you go in yeah. athletics? Uh, I did all right. Where, what'd you get? Um, in my second games in the London um, games, I got gold and silver. Okay, so, so it's okay. It was, yeah, to top off my last real big international competition was pretty exciting. Yeah, we'll get into your sport a little bit uh, later on. But as I was saying in the opener, of the two of you, when you're yeah. on the way to Geelong, which is a part of Victoria <laughs> and Melbourne, 
Which one of you has a giant silo well, painted of themselves? That's a bit of a soft spot, Mike. It's getting ripped down. Oh, so nobody yeah. probably anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe by the time this is released, there won't be. But yes, exactly. I do drive past your silo on the way to Melbourne, which I do very often to see my mum who's still in Torquay. And yes, knowing that you were coming on this podcast, I knew that Dylan would start a G-Town rivalry. It's so funny when people are from Geelong, I'm not sure if it's based around most places, but it all, it's always identifiable about who that person is by the school that they went to. If someone went to like Oberon High School, yeah. you're like, oh, you're a bit of a Darrow. Yeah. I feel like that's the question that somebody always asks you is what school did you go to? And mm. I'm not very quick to and answer that one. On the way in, when you asked Angus what school he went to, what was your response? Oh, that one? You said, no, you <laughs> said, no, you went, oh, of uh, course. Oh, yeah. well, what, what's it about Angus that says you went to that yeah. school? Yeah, how do you know that from the like, yeah. 15 seconds we've been um, introduced? Look, I did my dead ball with all the guys from Joey's, so I, okay. I know them pretty well. And he looks like a Joey's boy. You do. <laughs> okay, that's uh, St. Joseph's College and all boys Catholic school that I went to, yeah. Nice. And came out the other side an atheist. Hey, Kel, you're a, you're a above knee amputee, so we'll get into what that means and how it happened and things like that. But we want to first and foremost, I guess, go back to what it was like for you growing up as a as a young girl, because you obviously didn't always have your disability. No, so I grew up in a little town, sort of near Geelong, and um, everybody knew everybody, but. I grew up in a family where sport was the centre of everything. My brothers loved football. I loved netball. And I just dreamt as a young girl playing sport um, internationally. I didn't know whether that would be in running or whether it would be in, in netball. So I had a, I think I had a really great childhood jumping off the pier um, every every summer, you know, um, hanging out with our friends who lived next door. And I absolutely love um, my upbringing. And, yeah, so up until the age of I was 15, I lived a pretty normal, active life. Then 15 came? And there was a diagnosis? I was probably 13 when I started to suffer from a pain in my knee and the doctors just kept brushing it off to growing pains and playing netball, doing too much sport. So I did sort of sit on the sideline for two years and put it to the side until the pain became so severe that I couldn't even sit properly at school. And um, yeah, then a doctor sent me for a scan and then he said, we found a cyst in your knee, it's fine, it'll go away by itself or you can have two weeks off school. And have minor surgery. And, you know, I really wasn't in love with school. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can put it that way. Um, so I chose two weeks off school. And that's when they went in and did keyhole surgery and rang me two weeks later and told me that, unfortunately, um, it wasn't a cyst in my knee, it was a cancer. When you're telling them for 18 months you've got leg pain and they're telling you stop being a sook, basically, mm. how pissed off are you and your family when you hear that news that you haven't been, you know, pretending the whole time and you've actually got cancer in your leg? Not one bit. People hmm. find that hard to believe. Um, you know, I think my mum and dad put it down to me complaining as well, so they probably feel a little bit bad as well. But it's so rare, my cancer. It is not known. Maybe so. 15 years later it is a little bit more talked about now, but I'm not angry in the slightest. He had no idea. He really didn't think it could be that. It was it's about one in three million people get this type of cancer and leg cancer is quite rare and all the signs were pointing towards sport injuries. So I'm, I'm really not angry at all. And in fact, he's still my mum and dad's GP down in Geelong. Really? Yeah. Um, I know he would feel bad, but at the end of the day, yeah, no, I'm not angry at all. Um, at all. What's, if it's so rare, what's it called? It's called synovial sarcoma. So One more time, slowly. Synovial sarcoma. So it's a soft tissue cancer that sat right inside my kneecap. So it was so deep that I couldn't actually remove it. I had to take the whole leg off if I wanted to get rid of all the cancer. Because there was um, such a long period of time between you feeling the pain versus having the cancer diagnosis, and it's great that you don't have any ill feelings towards a doctor, but from doing this podcast, uh, chatting to people like Curtis McGrath, um, 
I've learned that there's such a huge difference in amputees when it comes to below knee and above mm. knee because the knee is such a pivotal joint for movement. Do you wish that you could go back and have that knee joint because that is such an important part of movement? Um, oh, look, I envy baloney amputees. <laughs> um, I look at them sometimes walking up and down stairs and racing and, yeah, I'd, I'd love that little bit more of my leg. But I always say to people, I always get asked if I'm I'm glad that I lost my leg because of where I've been and what I'm doing. That's interesting. Um, and I'd, give my, I'd get my leg back in a heartbeat. I'd give up everything that I've done. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, so. Mm-hmm. I knew we were going to play in this area. <laughs> so I'm the opposite. Right? I know. I knew so some I'm people would deep, be. Like I'm probably the far opposite of that. Because if I wasn't in a wheelchair, would I be a gold medalist? Would I have Merch and Tell? Would I have all the great things going on in my life? Would I be working radio with Angus? Probably not. Maybe not. Don't know. So I'm all about it. But you're not. So I wouldn't. You- I wouldn't be the. I, I'm. I wouldn't be the person I am today at all. I wouldn't be open, accepting, understanding. I wouldn't have travelled the world. I wouldn't have met you, Dylan. Um, Highlights. <laughs> <laughs> but financially, physically, um, the stress that it had on my family, the unknown of. For eight years, even now, if my cancer would ever come back, um, it's known to come back aggressively and I'm very lucky that I was past that 15-year mark. But for me, I'd love to get up in the morning and put both my feet on the ground. I, I, I don't know, and I don't know if this is a way to say it, but whether because I was on both sides of the fence, I grew up 15 years of having mm. my leg and then I lost it. I, I'm not upset. I don't ever dwell about it. I, I don't wish it back, but if I had my choice... I'd rather have two legs. Dylan always talks about being disability proud and how, you know, especially for, you know, his life, his lived experiences that, you know, kids see him being proud in their mm. wheelchair and then maybe they can find some solace in that if they're going through that in their teens. But it's, um, I don't read from this small interaction that you're not proud of your Mm-mm. disability. No, it's just if your life could be different than it, you'd like it to be. Um, I, it's hard. I'm just trying to be as honest as I can be um, with hey, how I feel. Because we're loving it. Because <laughs> I do, like, I'd love to have two legs and, you know, grow up because a girl, like, I know they're minor things, um, but I look sometimes going, damn, I wish I could just, you know, go for a run and do this or do that. And you'd be lying if you said you, you don't, but my life is probably a more amazing than it probably ever would be. And I, I do wear my leg proudly. One of my biggest things I love to do is share my story to show young girls, to show people going through maybe not necessarily the same thing as me, but something quite hard that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, in saying that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of stuck on two mindsets of I would never be where I am today without losing my leg and the person I am, but I would love two legs. <laughs> it obviously affected you a lot when it first happened. What was that moment like when you woke up in hospital and you looked down and you had no leg? How Especially formidable years, teen years. Yeah. Mm. You know, a lot of people say to me, God, being 15 is would have been such a hard time. Um, and it was, but I don't know whether there would have been an easier time, a harder time. Because as soon as you're thrown into that, it just becomes your main main problem. I mean, when you're 15, you worry about the way you look, what, what, what if boys are going to like you, your friends are going to hang out with you, but then all of a sudden, this is what you've got to deal with and overcome. Um, and I, I sort of made the decision, of, after about a week, I had to think about losing my leg or to try and save it. Um, I did say initially that I'd rather die than have my leg amputated. And um, after speaking to my family and Googling the the cancer, I realised that that was silly. I'd rather be alive. But then, yeah, when I woke up the next day and looked down at the sheets and saw the reflection of the TV, um, it really set in. And that's when I told my dad to turn the TV around and just sort of took me a day or two to really come to terms with it, that it, it had gone. I had two perfectly fine legs going into hospital. I didn't have 
And there was nothing wrong with it. I was still walking. I was still running. So it was really hard to come to terms with the fact that they were taking away a perfectly good part of my body. Oh, that's so interesting. So there were, even though you had pain in your knee, well, you the, still had the ability to, to do everything. It, it was just, yeah, quite, quite a, I really didn't notice a pain unless I was doing something. And um, yeah, I could do most things. And uh, yeah, and especially after the first surgery, it was, I thought it was all gone. When I look back on, on what I went through, I just feel that it was so much harder for my parents. Um, and that's what breaks me and that's what really hurts me is because I remember the drive from Geelong to Melbourne like it was yesterday and I said to mum, I'll just turn the car around, I'm not ready, let's go home, let's go home. And she turned around to me and she said, Kelly, we have to go. If I could take a spot in a heartbeat, I would. Mm. And that's sort of something that's settled with me now, especially being a mother. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the moment where I went, shit, this isn't just me going through it, I've got to show them that. And I think that's what helped me get through it was I have to show them that I'm going to be okay. And then... You obviously lost your leg in rehab so you could walk around on a prosthetic. And were you self-conscious about how you looked, especially being a young female, you know, growing into your body? Did you struggle with that? Yeah, I think that was my main concern, uh, especially going back to school on a, on a prosthetic leg. I went back to school on crutches actually without my leg. And I remember going to my first class and I don't know why. I, mean, I thought these teachers would have like staff room meetings about who was sick or what was wrong. And my English teacher asked me when I was on crutches and what happened to me. And I thought I had to stay in front of the whole class. Um, well, actually, over the holidays, I had my leg cut off. No, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there an email? I know. <laughs> like, like, you've, got the, the you've got all the kids who are diabetic or, yeah. um, you know, allergic to nuts. But there's Kelly who's lost her leg. And uh, or, I think about three teachers asked me. So I wow. found that really confronting in front of the whole class. Can I also ask a question how quickly you got back to school? Because Ben, previous episode, went blind overnight and was back to school within two weeks mm. yeah, wow. because he wanted to... He was in denial at that point. Yeah. How quick were you returning? Well, actually, it, I lost my leg in November, so then it was school holidays. So I went back yeah. on the first day in January, at the end of January. So that was my goal. Did you feel you were ready to face the, re- I was going to say music, but recess? <laughs> um, look, I think I was in some ways, in some ways not. I wanted to get back to my friends. I wanted to live somewhat of a normal life. Um, but it was hard. I'd really, for the next two years of school, I wore my brother's school pants on 40-degree days. Um even though I knew that they, everyone knew I had one leg, I just didn't want to be the one that everyone stared at and um, or be different. And now looking back on it, I wish I could go and do it again and I wouldn't have cared. But that's how I dealt with it at the time. Right. That's how I felt. Did you say to the teacher, how about you open your eyes and see that I'm missing a leg? <laughs> what did they think? You're kneeling in one side of your pants. Well, I did. No, I did have a long kilt on. Oh, okay. I was trying to cover it's it up like, as much as possible. Like, it's not there. <laughs> but, You're not um, going to a mini skirt on first. No, 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 school, definitely yeah. not. So that was a bit awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what about your dating life? Was that hard for you? Like I know um, from, we've been friends for a long time. You've had some problems with some absolute dickheads who <laughs> have said some really dumb stuff. Yeah, I have. Um, but when I lost my leg, actually, I had a boyfriend and we stayed together for six years. So we'd been together maybe two. Um, and he was young. I was young. And yeah. I remember his couple of his friends said to me, you can stay with her. I went, oh my God, why would they ask that? And I guess it's something that just they felt they needed to ask or it was on their mind. Um, but we stayed together for about four years after that. And that was really good to have someone like him in my life. And then, yeah, went on to the single dating scene and it's really funny because I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it being in other settings. But when you're sort of out at a bar or um, met someone on Tinder, mm. um, I'm like, do I tell them I've got one leg before I meet them or while I'm there or afterwards? Because it's not that obvious if you're sitting at a table and someone walks up to you. I'm wondering if, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I think I was on Tinder maybe a few, like six years ago or something like that. Did you, f- 
Did you match? No, no I don't think so. Oh. I, I would have swiped right. Oh, that would have been best. No, ever. but I, I wonder as a as a bloke rocking yeah. into a bar with you, yeah. whether I would like to know pre or post. Yeah. I think I would like to know pre yep. and still come on the date to show you that I there's nothing in there. But you're a good bloke. That's the difference. You're a, like, and I can attest that you are a good bloke and you'd be okay with it. But, mm. I mean, I know, um, Kelly, you might want to tell a story about the guy you were dating for a while who wouldn't tell you and then he it did come Yeah. Out. Look, firstly, I think as well, like, I think some people, I think we're in a world where we're so sensitive about everything yeah. and it does do my head in, but I can't speak for other people who are going through other issues. But for me, people have to understand that I'm around people with disabilities so much. So to me, it doesn't even cross my mind. If you've got somebody who's never met anybody with a disability, mm. it's easy to say, well, they should know how to treat them. But it's hard. You ha- you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you should and, listen to Listen Able. Yeah, exactly. Listen to, listen to his podcast. You know. <laughs> um, so it is it is a hard situation. They're, you know, rocking up to a bar with, with one leg, someone may never have met anybody like that. And it is a bit of a shock. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me or... Um, they shouldn't speak to me, but I dated a guy for about probably about six months, actually. Um, I should have seen the signs at the very beginning. Um, and I really liked him. I thought he really liked me. And he started to show signs of not really wanting to go out in public all the time with me and didn't hold my hand down the street. Um, and it didn't click for a long time until one day he sat me down and he said, look, I thought about asking you out and I'm not breaking out with you, but I don't want to ask you to be my girlfriend because I still can't get over the fact you've got one leg. And I'm like, you've dated me for six months. Yeah. I'm at house. I'm yeah. at your house in your bed. <laughs> so I couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't have told me this six months yeah. ago. Um, and it all came down to the fact that he didn't want to be seen with somebody with one leg. He didn't want to be stared at. And he asked me to wear pants. He wanted to wear pants. <laughs> so that was the thing. And I tell you what, it, and again, that guy's a dickhead, but also. Now you had a prosthetic at this stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. yeah. But, you know, it comes down to, which we talked about previously on this Enable, is. It's a product of that person, but it's also a product of that person's friends mm. who would be putting pressure and asking. And mm. the, the example that I gave, which we've had some response on on social media is, for example, if Chantel said, I've got a new boyfriend, he's in a wheelchair. The first question is not what's his name. It's what happened. Yeah. It's not. And then I, we use that example. And everyone's like, oh, I would also ask what happened to mm. you, Kelly, with one leg rather than ask, oh, what does she do? You know what I mean? It's it's the biggest, I guess, descriptor of us when it probably shouldn't be. Um but hopefully talking about it makes people realise you can't string somebody along when no, you know, you it's just shocking. <laughs> mm. And you've got to sort of look at it as a reflection of themselves, not you. It's Correct. it's their problem. It's their inner issues that they haven't dealt with. And they're, and again, I say we're so sensitive, but then there's also the other hand where you need to be open-minded. You need to be under, understand that things happen. It could happen to you tomorrow, next week, next year, and mm. they're just people. So we're going back to body confidence then. So when you came back that first year at school, I'm sure you were finding it difficult. When did you start to love yourself and did that six-month relationship take you back a bit? No, it didn't actually. The the relationship didn't. That was only about seven years ago. So um, I was a bit older and mature. I think, honestly, the moment that things changed for me was with sport. I went down to the athletics track with my running leg and I was still wearing pants, but I couldn't change my legs over with pants on. So I started to have to wear shorts and then I just became more confident and then meeting people like myself or like Dylan, just that are everyday humans being themselves and that's when it really changed for me and I stopped wearing a cover on my leg. I wear it out so you can see it. I very rarely wear pants Um, and I don't do it as a statement. I do it because that's just who I am. Mm. I know you've had problems with comments like I'm allowed to say, I know you're humble but you're a very good looking person and I've been with you when people have come up and said things like, oh, what a shame Mm. about your leg. Can you tell those Mm. kind of comments you get? 
Yeah, I, I've, I've gotten along the lines of, um, wow, she's so pretty though, after someone tells her she's, I've got one leg or I can't believe it's happened to you. And to me that just blows my mind completely. It's It can happen to anybody. Yeah. Um, and again, it just narrows it down to that it's about physical appearance rather than the person. So, yeah, I have gotten that a lot. Um, I'm sure you get it too, Dylan. Oh, thanks, Dylan. <laughs> well, I wasn't fishing for that, but I'll take it. If there is something positive to come out of those comments... Mm. It really does help you weed out people quickly. Oh, def- and that's oh. what I said about dating as well. Like, I'm not an idiot. I know there's been guys that I've dated and his friends like, would you still? And he, he, they tell me this, half his mate said not nah, and then half his mate said yes. Mm. Um, and that's reality. I did a post the other week about, um, you know, you're not always going to be someone someone's cup of tea. And regardless of disability, looks, colour, um, you're not going to be. And you can't search the world um, looking for everybody to approve of you. Um, you have to accept yourself and realise that it's going to weed out the good ones and the bad ones um, and you have to be comfortable who you are and somebody will love you or like you for who you are. You've great. actually got a really great life and a beautiful, just why I said Instagram, give the Instagram a shout out because you have a great page <laughs> that, as well. Sorry, was that the kids. first post that didn't involve your children in two yeah. years? <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. it's become, especially in isolation when I'm in track, you no makeup on every single day, <laughs> they're just my kids. Um, yeah. I will try and put better content. <laughs> yeah, at, at Kelly Cartwright. Yeah. Um, you mentioned sport before mm. um, and you're, you're humble talking about you. You're bloody good at it. So did you automatically go straight to running? And I guess it was a pretty quick progression for you, except for losing to that really old Mexican mother. That <laughs> I'll never <laughs> live that down. <laughs> I'll never live. Dylan is the only one that keeps bringing that up. Um, I did lose in Beijing, yes. Um, so you know you've been running for like. No, I didn't get it. I got lost. How long have you been running for? Probably a year and a half. So she hasn't been running long on a fake leg. I however, straight through as a wild card for those games. However, the lady that one was literally. 40. 40 okay. <laughs> apparently they peak at 40 in, oh, in, in Paralympic athletics. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. 30 in well, most. you still got a couple more Olympics than you then. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I couldn't go back to netball because of the running blade. Um, I don't know if you're aware of those. They're mm-hmm. a bit hard to run on. Can um, you explain what a running blade is? Just... So it's it's. Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, I was about to say he that. Can say it. Um, Oscar Pistorius's blade. So it's like a J curve. It's got spikes in the bottom of it. So it makes it difficult to do things other than sprinting. You can't be wing defense. No, you can't. <laughs> and you've got to have short nails on that because you're not going to have spot allowed to have spikes in the bottom of your. Did you ever have dinner? With, did you ever have dinner with Oscar Pistorius? Oh, a couple of times in the village. Yeah, what was he like? He was nice. He was. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he, he. A lot of people um, were always asking for photos, and he was always really generous with his time. So, yeah. Wasn't he talking about? How much you did love guns with you though? Um, yeah, there was one time we sat at the table in the um, in the village, and he was showing me some pictures of his, oh. his gun collection. He's, yeah. He was a farmer though, and out in the uh, yeah, yeah, it was for his property. I remember when yeah, he needed to- semi-automatic more rifles for his property. <laughs> you, when you told me that, I was like, cow. That, that could have been Take the stand. I feel like I can't tell you anything, do you? Yeah, that's <laughs> obviously. What else are you going to keep bringing up? Um, and God, you can go to the bathroom during lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um. Going to the the leg though itself, the prosthetic. Can you take us through it? We've, the U shape isn't enough for me. I okay, didn't know that on. there was spikes underneath that, like running spikes. Well, yeah. So um, I didn't know that. People mm. make a joke that I only need one shoe, which is silly because I girls. have two legs. But when you're wearing a prosthetic running leg, you actually only need one shoe for your real foot, and mm. you cut the sole of the other shoe and glue it to the bottom of a running spike because you need the th- um, the what do you call it? The thread. To be able to, oh, so um, you stick oh. the bottom, the sole of it on the You glue the it blade. on, yeah, and then put your spikes in. Oh, wow, well, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, but even if you didn't have that, it makes it quite difficult to run on asphalt. Um, mm. Unless you've got a special jogging leg or a leg specific and I had a sprinting leg. So What's then, the cost yeah. of, a, of a running leg? Oh. 
Um, look, they're a lot cheaper than my walking leg. Um, oh. They're around ten to twenty thousand dollars for a running leg. Yeah. You've got the big Kahuna of walking legs, don't you? I, I finally got it. I've been yeah. waiting two years. Yeah. Okay. Um, How much is that bad boy? About ninety thousand. Oh. But that's custom to you. Um, Kurt would have. Um, yeah, Kurt's got a 200 yeah, he's, something He's thousand. got the waterproof one. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's in a kayak. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've got an amazing leg, and I'm very lucky that I've been waiting two years for this leg. So. I had some funny leg stories with Kel. She often wasn't the best, most organised person and forgets to charge them, and then they go straight. I thought you were going to talk about the one where they drank out of my leg. Oh, I was going to say, I've got three. I've got the one of the drink, drinking at the party. Everyone was drinking out of her leg. And in Beijing, no, London, Kel was riding a bike, and I was hanging on the back, and we were checking out the village. And as she was riding, her leg fell off. <laughs> so I'm in a wheelchair, hang on to her bike. Her leg falls off, falls off the bike, and I'm like, out of my chair. Comedy yeah. errors. Well, you mean you should send a photo to Daniel Ricardo, who's famous for a shoey. You should show him your leggy. Well, I think it's kind of gross. It I didn't drink out of it. The, the, it stinks. No, stink. it doesn't. Oh. I clean it. The legs stink. stink. It do, they don't, if you clean them. Okay. <laughs> Proper hygiene. Debatable. I don't know about your shoes, Dylan, but my Debatable. leg doesn't stink like that. <laughs> Why running? You lost your leg. Why mm. did you decide to go into a sport where you're at a complete disadvantage? I mean, why yeah. would why was it not an upper body sport? Why not discus? Uh, well, I'm not built for discus, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's honest. Um, look, I just loved running. I've always loved cross country and I didn't love sprinting so much, but again, being an above knee amputee, it is it is very difficult to run, so you don't really want to run as long as um, yeah, cross marathons. country. Yeah, no. Um, and then I just loved it. I started going down to the track and meeting people and competing and I'm always, always been a competitive person and qualified for my first games, which was Beijing. Um, but when I first got my running leg, um, Geelong raised funds for me to get that. Landy Field? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old sprinting track. I ran for Chilwell. Do you guys want me to leave? Just so you have to uh, you just don't understand the reference to <laughs> okay. the G-Town, mate. Okay. Um, I don't think many people listen to it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, yeah, but my aim was the London Games, so I thought I'd have about five years to really train and scrape through, met Dylan and went to Beijing. Did well in Beijing, didn't win a medal. Yes. The 2010 World Championships, how did they go? That was in the lead up. Yeah, I did I did quite well there. I got two gold medals, but I had a really bad lead up to those games. I actually had to have my leg re-amputated, which means go in, get about a centimetre cut off the bottom, because being an above knee amputee and running, you put three times your body weight through mm. my stump, my bone, and I damaged it so much that I just needed a clean slate. But as you know, Dylan, you got to do certain qualifiers, certain events to get to the big event. Um, so I had to, I think it was six months, not even before the World Championships. Isn't that funny? I uh, recently attempted a marathon, which is 42 kilometres. I got to 27, 28 well, kilometres. Why would you back, even do that? <laughs> he realised that he put on, wanted to get a bit fitter post-isolation. Yeah. And he said, came, he did, this is on Friday he thought of it. On Saturday, Kelly, on radio, he goes, guess what I'm doing tomorrow, Dylan? I'm running a marathon. No training. He, I could no only training. run 4Ks. And I was like, don't do it. I was worried about him. Anyway. He got to a 27 and a bit. No, doesn't run in years. Mm. That wasn't my point to that. I wasn't looking for a humble brag. What I was going to say was, I have been complaining to my girlfriend. I've done a couple of posts about my blisters on my foot. Oh, God. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and here you are having to re-amputate some of your leg because of the wear and tear of sport. And what do I have And to because you about? want to get back to sport, which is probably stupid <laughs> in hindsight. Um but yeah, I, to be honest, if I look back on those games, I, they weren't my best jumps that I've ever done or fastest race. But up till that time, it was. I was the fittest and strongest I'd ever been in those five months, and mm. I had been in the two years, two and a half years. Amazing. Because you kind of look at a timeline and think, I don't have a lot of time. You put one hundred and ten ten percent effort into that, and it just led me up to the London games. Really good. Yeah. So you got to London. You the favourite. Your dream as a young person was to be a sportswoman. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling like when you? 
finally got that gold medal in the in the long jump. A dream come true. <laughs> it sounds cliche, but um, it's worth the ups and the downs. And to see your family and your coach in the sideline that had put more effort into you being there than probably yourself, it meant the world to me. Um, it meant that it was worth it, the sacrifices of the times that you don't get to go and do all the things with your friends that they're doing. But um, you just, it, it was just, I put so much effort into to winning that gold medal and um, to stand on that podium and hear the national anthem because I remember the four years before hearing some of them in the Beijing games. Thank you. <laughs> some of them. Um, and just knowing that's what I wanted and to know that I was there. I shouldn't tell Dylan's partner in her episode mentioned that she knew that Dylan wanted to live a big life and decided to live a big life. You now live a big life. You're a gold medalist. Not as big as Dylan's life. Well, you live a big life. <laughs> what Do you ever think back on what your life would be without the cancer, without the amputation? Yeah, I don't. I get asked that a lot too. Um, Were you studying to be something? No, I didn't like school. Right. I was, I'm glad. I'm mean, probably lucky that I lost my leg and got into sport <laughs> I don't know where I'd You'd I'd be a different person. I would totally be you a different be, you person. You are so much softer... I imagine, yeah. and like accepting, I guess, now that you've had it, I reckon. I think, though, I, I I do have to thank my parents for a lot. I think it is to do with your upbringing as well, with how you are open to the world and accepting to people. Mm. Um, but, yeah, losing my leg changed everything. Um, I really don't know where I'd be. I'd, I'd still love sport, whether I'd be in a, you know representing Australia. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I really, I really can't answer that question. I do not know where I would be, what I'd be doing, but... I'm just sort of glad that... Well, you don't have to look back with regret. No, not at all. Mm. Now, after London, life changed a bit. You got a lot of sponsors, did some underwear commercials, (laughs) and your career took a big U-turn when you went on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, yeah. So, one, I'm your friend. I didn't know you could dance. Neither did I. Okay, you couldn't dance. I could. (laughs) So, when they called you, were you thinking... Like I've got one above knee. I think we have to really stress how hard yeah. it is to do anything when you have a really high up stump, which you do. Yeah. Why'd you say yes? How was it? I didn't originally. Okay. What happened? So I was, I'd found out I was about 10 weeks pregnant when they asked me to go on the show. Oh, too. I didn't know you That as well. Yeah. Morning sickness on yeah. top of everything. Well, no, I didn't. I was actually very lucky, lucky, but I sort of was in this mind, Dylan, and I'm sure you saw me in those last couple of years where I was a bit lost. You asked me to shave your head one day. Yes, that happened. At a party. Um, Half my head. A bit lost. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yes, we used to to party a bit, but I sort of went to the London games thinking, great, I'll have some time off. I'll be in the next games four years later and the next one. London was my last international competition for athletics, and that was not in my my future that I'd planned. Why was that? Um, because of my ankle, uh, I have an ankle injury that will never get better. And I tried for about two years on and off, had surgery, had blood injections, had steroids. Um, the legal kind. Of yeah, it. the legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just never got better. And I started to hate the sport. I really started, to, I, I lost myself for a while. I really did. Um, I'd been told what to eat, when to go to training, where to be, to all of a sudden felt like I had nothing or nobody. And I couldn't even admit to my mum and dad that I was potentially retiring. I never have retired yet still, by the way, because I, I thought only people know me as Kelly the runner, Kelly the Paralympian, so I struggled a lot with that. And then I sort of just took a step back and travelled the world for just fun rather than athletics, which is a whole different ball game. and then met my, my wonderful partner um, on Tinder. When did you tell him about the Well, leg? he knew who I was. Oh, famous. Oh, yeah, I was famous okay. and Dylan. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. was the Paralympian yeah, famous. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, 
But yeah, so then I, you know, took a step back. I was still sort of dabbling in the gym and doing things and then got asked to go on Dancing with the Stars. Like I said, I'd had a lot of great opportunities in those two years as well to get my face out there. Um, and then, yeah, I said no to Dancing with the Stars because I was pregnant and because if there was one thing that someone asked me if I could do was I always said I probably I can do everything except for professional dancing. Mm. Um, so I said no and then I thought I sit at home and, you know, post about, talk about people stepping outside their comfort zone, showing the people what mm-hmm. you're capable of and I thought I have to do it. And yeah. I said yes and then my poor partner drew the short straw with a pregnant one leg again. Wow. <laughs> Did you? Imagine that. You, sorry, imagine that email. Oh, have I got this year? Oh, you got a pregnant one-legged lady. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. Did you ever use the line when on TV, people who can't dance say that uh, they've got two left feet. Well, I literally only have one. No. Did you, good <laughs> opportunity. I thought you were going to say legless then. Yeah, no. no. Good opportunity. Can you do the two-step? You're like, well, technically not. <laughs> no. So, yeah, it was, it, it was hard. It was Monday to Friday training, obviously, every day, and it was just a process of elimination of what we could and couldn't do. And you got good. Like, I'm not saying that. I, well, I haven't brought myself to watch all the dance. It's pretty hard. Yeah. I haven't watched it back. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with myself because I really didn't think I could do it. And I'd never wore high heels and that was my dream to wear high heels as a girl. Um, and so I got a high heel foot and had to learn how to dance on a high heel foot as well. As, as well learning. as everything yeah. else? But you didn't have, or did you have your current leg, the whiz-bang, top-of-the-line leg? Yeah, okay, I was very lucky. I just, long story could short Could you have done it that. without it? Um, probably if that was what I was used to. Poor, um, very poorly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'd be great at it, um, but first, yeah. First round loss, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Because just for people who obviously can't haven't seen you walk in real life, I just walked with you to the yeah. studio. You there is no limp for no. you. It's a it was something I noticed because we've interviewed people who have been amputees and there's a obvious limp or a it's, push to the hip. And it's not all to do with the prosthetic. You can give somebody any prosthetic and they may not be able to walk as well. Yeah. Um, I put it down to that I'm a very determined person. I wanted to learn how to walk quite well, but also I'm quite strong and fit in the rest of my body. I've noticed that when I gave up sport for a couple of years. My walking went to shit because my oh. body wasn't strong and my core wasn't strong. And people have different walking gates as well. So I'm very mm-hmm. lucky. And then on top of it, I've got a very amazing leg now. I've been on someone's borrowed leg for two and a half years. So I know how tough it was, mm, was right. for that. So I've only got this new one in the last month. So it's very, very helpful. You touched on it before, but you were pregnant during Dancing with the Stars. Mm. How did you go with the pregnancy being, you know, on one leg? Because I've... When you take your leg off, you hop around, you mm. know, if you need to go to the fridge or on the couch or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not easy, Brendan. <laughs> it's definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah, we had to be quite cautious of certain moves that we did on the dance floor. But our first pregnancy, my second pregnancy was a little bit harder. I actually can't complain. I had such an easy pregnancy and um, I think coming out the other side of having my first child doing dancing helped me so much. I came back quite fit, quite strong because I danced till I was 25 weeks pregnant um, and then, you know, continued on going to the gym, whereas second time around, I sort of just sat on the couch straight away and never got up. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's two different. Uh, what, two are the, what are the two kids' names? Um, Max is my four-year-old, the boy, and Charlie is my eight-month-old. Beautiful. So your relationship yeah. with your partner who you met on Tinder, so he knew that you had, you know, one leg mm-hmm. or were an amputee, so that helped in those early stages, I guess. Yeah. When did you know that he was the one? Ooh, good question. We moved pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't know. I think... He just, he's, he's a little bit older than me, he's a little bit wiser. I was sort of lost in, the, in, in my party ways or, um, you know, stuck between what am I going to do and to meet him, he helped me ground myself um, and he was just he's an amazing supportive person. I never have, I'd never had anyone treat me the way he did um, and, yeah, he's incredible. He's a firefighter, he's fit, he was, you know, doing he's all the things. He's fit. 
He's hot. He, he won't, he won't take that now. He's going to dad kids are coming because they are. <laughs> well, cute kids already. You're ready. Good-looking adults. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you said kids are good-looking. And yeah. what about your two beautiful children? What do, what do they mean to you to be a mum? Oh, look, it's it's tough. It's hard being a mum, I'll be honest, um, but it's the best thing in the world and probably everybody says that. Um, and someone asked me to compare it to Paralympics and training to being a mum. Um, and, you know, training stops. At the end of the day, you go home, you, you put your foot up, relax. Parenting never stops. Mm. Um, it's tough. It's hard. It, it tests you in ways. And I'm, um, you know, I'm on my second child now, my last one. <laughs> the last? <laughs> my last. Um, but my first one, I struggled. I struggled being the one that was sort of traveling the world, doing my sport, being a selfish athlete, to being the one that stayed home and mm. looked after the, the baby. And it took a long time for me to wrap my head around that. And then I realized that I went to Commonwealth Games in 2018. I competed again in another sport, which I probably should quickly Touch I was going to say, <laughs> um, after the first born, you went to powerlifting in Congress. Yeah, I, fa- I, I found myself in the gym a lot. And then I've always loved lifting heavy. I always tried to outlift um, Dylan in the Not gym. Hard. You smash me. Not hard at all. So you're a freak in the gym. Um, I do beat Dylan on the leg press. I was going to say, you both I, <laughs> I was about to say, I probably could, but yeah, yeah. I definitely could. <laughs> Thanks a while for that joke. Just think. Yeah, just no, a see, I, don't, I see you as a, as a full bodied person, Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, um, but yeah, I think, and then I sort of started to realise that I could still do what I wanted and be a mum. And I think that's what helped ground me. I, in, with athletics and with training, you sort of become so involved in just your sport, your sporting people, your life. I, I didn't really have a balance. And then having my first child, I found myself in the gym and loving powerlifting and aimed for Commonwealth Games that was in Australia. With the, with your child though, first child, there would have been some teething difficulties. I'm sure by the second you had it down packed. But mm. as soon as kids start crawling... Mm-hmm. They're there one second, they're not the next. Yeah. When you take your leg off when you come in the front door, was it difficult, especially when your partner wasn't around, to have that mobility to raise kids? Well, I, that's, I think that's what I struggled with because I couldn't take my leg off like I usually would. Um, right. So I had a lot of blisters, a lot of problems that I couldn't rest. You cannot rest till the kids go to bed, really. Mm. Um, so that part I did. With Max, I'm hoping Charlie's a little bit different. Mm. He's full on. I had a leash on him for a couple of years. Right. And um, when I went to the shopping center, cause I can't chase him and it scares me. And I think that was one thing I really struggled with is I was at the shops a couple of times and he ran off on me and then everyone was trying to help me. And I just felt so shit. I'm like, great. Now everyone has to help me when I know that I can do it, but I can't, I couldn't, I can't chase him across the road as quick as somebody else could. Oh, and I'll it worry, made me feel really crap. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I worry about that too, Kim. Yeah. Like I, if my little kid goes up on the playground. I can't get him. No, and I, I'm not I good at that either. Down. Well, I can't get him. They'll tell you when yeah. they want to go home. Yeah, well, Dad, we're staying here. <laughs> Fine. I'm going to see my three-year-old. I've never thought about that. That is so. There must be some really scary situations that you both. I mean, yeah. obviously, you have children, Dylan, in the future. Will that? Yeah. Crossing the street, he lets go of your hand. I think, and I had some looks when I put him on a leash, and I thought, well, this is better than him getting squished by a car or taken by somebody. Mm-hmm. But the scariest thing for me at the moment, and I don't know if you saw it, Dylan, was. I broke my kid's finger and ripped his fingernail off in my prosthetic leg That's about a, ask, a yeah. year ago. And my little one now, Charlie, is starting to climb up on my prosthetic. And so it's sort of playing on my mind a lot lately um, after it was horrific. I got his finger caught in my knee. So your leg was up. on? Yeah. He, I was brushing his teeth. So he had his fingers just resting on both of my knees. And I was actually trialing different legs at the time when I was waiting for my leg. And his little finger went in. I didn't realize. And I stood up completely. The knee completely closed. His finger got caught in. I ripped it out. Literally didn't even know he could do that. Ripped his finger out from the roots, um, and broke his finger, and he had surgery. And I, my partner wasn't home, so obviously, being a fiery, he deals with that. I freaked out, oh. ran next door in my undies, knocking on the door, going, "There's blood everywhere." 
and I'm trying to stay calm for him. He had surgery. It's all good. He likes telling everybody that mum broke his finger in my leg. Yeah. And he doesn't even fear my leg now. It's sort of, I thought he would be a bit mm-hmm. scared. Of course. But yeah, having um, my new little one, she sort of climbs up on my leg. Put, I don't even know if she's standing behind me with her knee, her fingers in my knee joint. And I just get so freaked out now. Um, oh, now I'm worried about running over my kids' ankles. What about getting, getting your fingers in the smoke? Oh, stop That's it, Kelly. <laughs> I never thought of that. I thought about all the other stuff now. I'm yeah, well, that. it's um, life. Have to put some rim covers on. Yeah. They're beautiful kids. You should be very proud. Yeah, Thank and, you. You know, obviously the coronavirus has had a massive effect on everybody's life, you know, especially, you know, my life going to the Paralympic Games, which is going to, was scheduled for 2020 in September, but now, Angus. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, it's scheduled for 2021 September. Which would give which somebody another had, 12 months to train. If you had, had a baby eight months ago, mm. you'll be like two Couldn't and a half. No, nah, two and a half like years 2021. post. 2021. Yeah. Give us the scoop. Yeah, um, you said you haven't retired. <laughs> I yeah. haven't. I haven't retired. Um, powerlifting, powerlifting, running. Lifting what do you think? Running? Look, I love powerlifting and I have to be realistic with powerlifting. The girls in my weight class are just lifting so much. Can um, I just give an example? You're in the under 40... Eight kilo? Mm. I'm not kidding. They bench like 130, isn't it? 120, 130. What? I'm not kidding. I can't do that. Yeah. I'm not kidding. So I'm 90 kilos and 6'3". I couldn't do that. It is amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it's incredible. And they have different – they don't have different categories in powerlifting, (sighs) so we're all just in weight categories, not disability categories. And people of um, short stature have a lot shorter arms. Yeah. So they only have to go like (laughs) – they kill it. And they, yeah. they dominate. Of course. Like I've got huge six foot four arms. I'm saying that's why I'm bad at bench. But it's harder. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's all done on weight body and, and, and body weight and things like that. But look, I love it. I'll still do powerlifting, whether it's I love to get the Australian record in my in my weight class. But I never say never to running. And I never say I'm going to definitely come back because then I'll put too much pressure on myself. Where, where is the running leg? Um, I've got it. Fi- I was actually at my prosthetist yesterday and oh, got it fixed, got fixed up, and yeah. now I ran on it yesterday. Oh, at Daily Mail, at Geelong Advertiser. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I just want to run. Um, like this, this virus. You sound is- like Forrest Gump. I just want to run. <laughs> <laughs> Not far. Run. Fifty meters. That's about as far as I want to go. Um, but I just want to do it with my kids at the Oval because that's all we can do at the moment mm. is go to the Oval mm. with the dog, with the kids. So it'd be mm. nice to be able to run with And they'll them. love seeing mum flying around. That'd be cool. I don't think they believe me yet. No, but no. Um, I keep putting – I Google myself nearly every day on YouTube because he watches YouTube and put a race up and he's like, can I have people opening toys now? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> mum, look at mum flying the long jump. I don't care. Yeah, just yeah. put something else. You've got a, a really dedicated following on your socials, mm. Kelly Cartwright, everybody. Um, so a lot of the comments seem to be mothers especially yeah. around your kids' stuff. Do you find that people comment differently on your parenting because of your leg, if that makes sense? Probably, I think. Um, I've had a few messages going, I, found, I find motherhood hard enough, I can't imagine doing it with one leg. Mm-hmm. But it's all I know and I think it is what it is. And you've, everybody has differences that they've got to fight through every day, weekly. Um, so for me, it's, it, it is what it is. And I don't see myself as... Um, inspiring. There's many women all over the world having babies um, mm. in incredible circumstances. Would you say the word is adaptability? Because, I mean, look at isolation that, you know, people who work so hard now have to add the homeschooling on top of that, but somehow everyone seems to get three meals on the table. Yeah. We seem to adapt and the body, I think a I lot of people think. think you know what you're capable of until you uh, put in that exactly situation. Right. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if you agree, Dylan, but inspiring does get thrown around too oh, easily. Yeah. And I used, that's one thing I used to get when I even left the house. Wow, it's so inspiring seeing you out in the house, out, out of the house. And I think that's not inspiring, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about inspiring it, but it's, it's, it's a bit of a kick in it's the face. It's inspiring we're gold medalists, not that we can drive, Get out of the drive house. a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I've seen you drive pretty average. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bowl of uncomfortable? Yeah. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> 
A bowl of uncomfortable is where somebody sends us a message based on knowing that you're an upcoming guest. It's probably a question they wouldn't have the bravery to oh ask God. you in person. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it makes us a little bit uncomfortable because we are relaying that question to you, but in the hope that a podcast that makes people feel uncomfortable, therefore, we can get some sort of comfortability in it. One each. One each. All right. This one's from someone on Facebook. All right. Now, there is a concept which is pretty heavy online called devotees. Mm-hmm. It is creepy people that are devoted to amputees and you can make some serious money in the devotee world. Have you ever cashed in on anything to do with devotees or even thought about it? Never. Actually, that's a lie. I know I've never done it. No, okay. I've never seriously thought about it, but it is an ongoing joke between my friends and I. Okay. I've just got my hands in the air. I just want everyone <laughs> to note that my hands are in the air. Continue with your answer. Okay. Um, I'm scared. No, no, no. <laughs> It'll make sense why my hands are in the um, No, I have not thought about it. And I have a lot of DMs, as what I'm sure you give, are. Give us a few. Oh, can I look at your stump? Do you touch your stump? Can you send a photo of me, of a video of you putting cream on your stump? That's so weird. I have some amputee friends. Do they use their stump for certain things? A couple of arm amputees that I know, things like that. Oh, um, arms going in places. Yeah, so it's full on and mm. I get it a lot and I block most of them. <laughs> how much, How much? what's the biggest cash offer you've had? I haven't had any cash offers. As if, why not? No, nah, nah. Well, we've had a, a previous guest, Cherie, got off $1,000. Well, now I'm feeling shit. <laughs> can I run, can I run a, I've got to give I you manage? my question first. What? I've got to give you the question. Now, the reason I put my hands up in the air, which people on YouTube and maybe our socials can see, is that this question was pre-written and Dylan and I both didn't know I were uncomfortable. But this was from Ellen Achuka. Is there a price to see your stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I didn't write that down after Dylan's question. It's been there since the start. It came on Facebook. Uh, they want to be anonymous. L is fine from Achuka. I feel like I've blocked you, L. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I know you, L. What, what, yeah. what if someone goes, I want you to rub whipped cream on your stump for 10 grand? Uh, I'd have to run it by Ryan first because he knows. <laughs> 10 grand though? No, no, no. So there's not a price. hundred grand? hundred okay. grand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> L gets six L, hundred grand in my bank account and I'll send you a stump pic. There you go. Okay? Isn't that weird? That's, that's, I mean, we had some really lovely questions and some of them I've relayed through my own of people who are wanting to know genuine questions about your career, but that was the, uh, the bowl of uncomfortable that came through. And I read it and I was like. Oh. Usually you find with those profiles, they have pictures of stumps, constant stumps all over their profile. Or, oh. Um, yeah. I, I once had someone <clears throat> message me on Skype. I don't know how they got my Skype handle. And they said, oh, I just want to sit on top of you with your big, strong arms and your brittle, small legs. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, and just sent, like, just trying to send bulk Some nudes. people out there. Oh, bulk are. nudes. Mm. I crazy. mean, you've got to understand as well, uh, there is a fetish, but imagine the good-looking guys and girls of Instagram as well, the DMs that they would get would be just as yeah, full-on yeah. and gross. Oh, just like, yeah, yeah. There'd be sure. people, it doesn't matter about, you know, your stump is obviously a fetish, but there'd be people who wanting to rub cream on any sort of... <laughs> body part Toes. on Instagram. I don't get. I don't get Toes. enough. I don't get enough don't creepy get, people. I don't and now you're upset. Yeah. You're getting kids. Because you kids. I used to get a few creepy mm. people, and then obviously I'm pretty public with my part. Yeah. Partner Chantel, so they just stop, mm. which is good. But like, I want a Have few. Have you ever had ones. that? And I think you've had it before. Like we're talking about when there's one extreme where someone doesn't like that you've got one leg, oh. um, and someone who wants to look this, after you. Yeah, yeah. I've had a couple of guys not knowing that that's what it's about, but they have this sort of sense of, Care. oh, do I need to? I'll carry you upstairs, or I'm like, no, I can walk, thanks. Like that kind of. Well, it's like you know, there's feeders. Do you know there's yeah, the, not, always next to these huge women in America sitting on the couch. Exactly. There's a skinny guy who's it's not necessarily her. a fetish. It's like a yeah, it's like a caring yeah. sort of. 
I don't know if I've told you this story. I was at a at college in the U- University of Illinois and there was this girl who was kind of vibing me and I like kissed her on the dance floor. My mate's like, mate, do not do that with her. I was like, well, why not? And then <laughs> on her butt cheek, she had a tattoo of a giant disabled wheelchair symbol, like the parking symbol, oh. with a love heart instead of the wheel. And she'd oh. go around having, sleeping with the wheelchair basketball team. Wow. Oh, yeah. Didn't do it. Well, Honestly, yeah. didn't do it. <laughs> But I was like, I still kissed it. But I was like, oh my god, that's a real thing. That was was my only like. Oh, that was your first introduction to people who obsessed with it. Yeah, Yeah, and like wanted to do it in the wheelchair and stuff. Mm. Last question. I probably should have put this before the ball of uncomfortable. Uh, How are you raising your kids um, with education around disability? Look, I think it's sort of unsaid with my own kids because they're growing up with somebody with one leg. Their mum has one leg. They've met lots of my friends with different disabilities. Um, but I'm very open for them when they want to ask me questions, whether they see something different in the supermarket. I'm very, I encourage them to ask me questions to maybe ask them questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and just be open and understanding of everyone. I, I actually say it a lot to them that there's not everybody looks the same and that's okay. And I really want them to understand that, that there's so many different people in this world. Um, I'd love, and I've sort of dabbled in it, writing a ch- child's book about being open and um it's someone with a disability going to school because I believe I didn't have to go through primary school with one leg and mm-hmm. speaking to some of my friends, they found that one of the toughest times um, because kids are cruel sometimes mm, and they don't course. get things. Um, so I'd love to be able to do that and go into schools because I have had a couple of requests of, can you please come and speak to this class because someone's just lost their leg and before they come back, answer the awkward questions. And I'd love doing that because it is tough for kids. It starts with children, acceptance, understanding and because you've got grown people that aren't accepting understanding, but mm. nobody was there when they were kids to explain to them that this is life and this exactly. is what it is. Great advice. And I'm going to regret this because I like having sponsors and speaking gigs, but <laughs> if anybody wants to get in touch with you to use you, because I've seen you speak and, you, and you're brilliant as you were today, how, how do people do that? Uh, just my website, Instagram, Facebook, but um, mm. www.kellycartwright.com. au. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, guys. See you in Tokyo 2021. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) What a great introduction to Kelly Cartwright. Yeah, she's an absolute legend. Make sure you follow along to her journey. And I I actually, you know, before we recorded that, knew, I didn't know she was thinking about a comeback to Tokyo 2021. How cool yeah, because you, you could tell that you were leading her down some stories like Oscar and you know a lot about each other. So that was great to get insight that maybe she wouldn't have told normally. Yeah, exactly. But it was great for you to learn something new about her as well. Yeah, exactly right. And, and to everybody that's been supporting, you know, Listen Able, we really appreciate it. And keep sharing it around because the messages, they're flooding our social media's other angles. And yeah. like, some of them are so low. We're going to ask Kelly. We're going to post a video up on our Instagram, which is at listenable underscore podcast. We're going to post up a photo slash video, I'm not sure yet, of Kelly um, from this interview that you've just heard. And if you've got a question for her, get into the comment section and Kelly's going to reply to all of them. So maybe there's a question you wish you were asking while we got through it, and we'll get Kelly to reply to every single one of those with an answer. And make sure you follow her on Instagram as well. Let's check out who is the next guest on Listenable. So um, to do a um, 10 second re, 45 minutes. Um, or, yeah, so to get dressed in the morning, and obviously it depends on what support workers are on. Some are like pretty pro, some are not as pro. <laughs> on average, you allow at least one hour. Then when I get home from work in the evening, 
I have the biggest chunk of care that I insert called care um, of the day, which is two hours, and that I use to go to the loo, have a shower, and put my pajamas on. So I achieve those three things. It takes two hours. Excited for that! And make sure you click subscribe on subscribe. the listen subscribe on the listen able. We've podcast. had five hundred plus ratings as well. Amazing the comments and the, the f- and the amount of five stars ratings have been pretty humbling, and it's really nice right. that people are getting around the journey. Uh, we'll promise we'll keep keeping it up. Listen Able was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull. Listener.